Welcome to the Building Healthy Organizations podcast. We understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I'm glad you joined us today for our continued journey to understand how to build a healthy organization. Relationships. Have you ever thought about how you build a relationship with somebody else? It's simple, but complex. The simple part is we connect with somebody, we build some trust with them, and the relationship gets started. That's how the relationships begin, but then how do they grow? And what's underneath all of that? What's underneath connection? What's underneath trust building? Well, EQ or emotional intelligence skills are underneath connection and trust building when we think about building relationships with somebody else. They're actual skills that you're practicing and you may not realize that you're practicing those skills. Relationships are built on a foundation of emotions. Yes, there's other elements involved in relationships, but the truth is the strength of a relationship depends on the emotional environment that is cultivated. When people relate to each other, there is an element of risk involved. Have you ever thought about that, that element of risk? Should I reach out and talk to that person? Uh, What about that new employee? How should I engage with them or should I choose not to? There's an element of risk involved when we think about starting a relationship with someone. What if they reject us? What if they don't like us? What if they treat us badly? Those are all things that go through our minds sometimes when we're thinking about, maybe all the time, when we're thinking about relationships. And so there's a risk element there. And overcoming risk, what we're really overcoming are emotions fear, anxiety, just that sense of being uncomfortable and and the uncertainty of trying to start a relationship with someone. How much are you willing to put into that relationship? How much are you willing to invest in that? Relationships are a give and take dynamic. What do you want from the other person in the relationship? That's something else to think about. So how much am I willing to invest in this relationship? And what do I want to get out of this relationship? And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but if I'm looking to build a relationship just to get something out of it for myself, and I'm not willing to invest much in the relationship, that's probably not going to end up being a great relationship. I mean, that just kind of makes common sense, doesn't it? Um, So think of relationships as the shared mind space that is created between two people. Wherever you are, whether you're at home, in the office, you're at the ball game, wherever you are, the way a relationship happens is when two people meet in what I call a shared mind space. 
well, how does that happen? Well, we think about things we have in common. We ask the other person something about their lives, what they're wearing. Oh, you have that cap on that has this team's logo on it. Are you a fan of this team? And there's just different ways that we start the process of building a relationship. And that process really is starting to create or think of it as co-creating a shared mind space where both people can come into that. You and the other person can enter that shared space and there are things that you share with each other. And if there's not much there to share, then it probably isn't going to be a deep relationship. It may be just an acquaintance, but there may be a relationship that develops and grows deeper because you find more and more in common. You find more you can share with the other person. You share your passion. They share their passion with you. And there are different ways that relationships develop. And most of that has a pretty large emotional component with it. And what you choose to put into that shared mind space will determine how good the connection is, how much trust there is, uh, and we'll talk about those again more as we get further along. Let's say you want to start a relationship with somebody. And when I say start a relationship, what I mean is just see if connecting with someone develops into something. Maybe it develops into a relationship. And what that relationship is, is defined by how much you invest in it, how much they invest in it, what's appropriate, you know, what you both want to get out of that relationship. But let's say you want to do that with somebody, whether it's at work or somewhere else. Um, there's a, a place to start. And I use a graphic that explains what I mean by connection. And that's the place you start. You start with connecting to somebody. You have to have connection with someone to have a relationship with them. I mean, that's just makes sense, right? This may sound pretty obvious, but most people don't consider what connection really is. I call it the C cycle or the connection cycle. And think of a wheel that has three parts to the wheel. And the wheel goes round and round and round. And every time it goes around, it's another layer of connection. What's that wheel made up of? Well, first, listening. Are we going to listen to the other person? What I call really active listening. Am I going to listen not just to what the words they're saying, but what do those words mean? What do they mean to that person? How does that impact their life? What are they sharing with me that will give me an idea of who they are and what their life is like? Then there's asking good questions to get better insights. And that's another part of the connection cycle. I want to understand more, so I ask a question. Do I understand this correctly or what do you mean by that? And then the last part of that connection cycle is understanding, where we reflect on what people have said to us and the answers they've given us to our questions to identify what we really understand about what they're telling us. 
And that's an iterative cycle. It goes around and around and around. And every time it goes around, we're deepening the amount of connection that we have with that person. And as I said, connection is the starting point. That's how we start to have whatever the relationship is going to be with someone. It starts with that connecting with them. Now, you don't build a deep relationship overnight. It's not happening after one connection. So you layer, as we've talked about, connection after connection, and the relationship then grows deeper as that happens. Now, every interaction with that other person will either add to the connection that you have with them, or it could take away from it. If there is conflict, if there is something negative there, it could take away from that connection. So as we think about this C-cycle, if it's done right, this connecting with somebody else, it's easier to communicate. It's easier to collaborate with them, to innovate with them, and simply it's easier to relate to them. Okay, so that's one part of building a relationship. What's another major part of that? Well, it's trust building. There's a level of trust in every relationship. It could be very low or it might be very high. Trust is the glue that holds relationships together. Without trust, it's impossible to have a deep relationship uh, that's beneficial to everyone. It's just impossible if you don't have trust. Notice that trust is an emotion. So when I talked earlier about emotional intelligence skills or EQ skills that you're practicing when you build a relationship, this is what I mean. Trust is an emotion, just like uncertainty and fear and anxiety and frustration and happiness and joy and all of those are emotions and they're all part of the relational process. Why did I just talk about trust so much? Well, because it amazes me how many people don't really think of trust as an emotion. Some consider it currency. How much currency do I have to spend? Others think of trust as something you can influence the other person into, which is actually backwards if you think about it. And I'll explain that later on. Trust is truly an emotion. And because it is, it's something you have to carefully cultivate with other people. Doesn't just happen by itself. It starts with connection, and the better the connection, the more trust you'll be able to build with that person. So relationships, they require trust if they're to thrive. But how can we build trust with other people? Well, again, I use something that helps me with that, what I call a trust equation. So I'm looking at a graphic right now. You can't do that while you're listening to me. But if you think of it as an equation, think of it this way. Trust equals credibility plus reliability plus connection divided by self-orientation. So credibility plus reliability plus connection. We've talked a lot about connection divided by self-orientation or, or self-need. 
And let me explain each of those parts of the equation. Credibility, do you bring value to the relationship? Do you, are you credible? Reliability, do you do what you say you will do? Connection, are you fully present for the other person? And are you authentic in the relationship? That's what connection is all about. So what is this self-orientation thing? It's how much you're focused on what you want versus what the other person wants or needs in the relationship. So if you think about adding up credibility, reliability, connection, and you divide it by the level of how much you want or need out of that in that interaction with someone, you can see if you had a one to five scale on this and credibility was a five and reliability was a five and connection was a five, I mean, you do those extremely well, but your self-focus your self-orientation was a five. Well, that's 15 divided by five. That doesn't give you a very high trust score, does it? The more that you can think about the other person in the relationship and put them as the most important in the person in the room in that relationship, the higher your trust level is going to be. Now, you're never going to get rid of your self-need. I mean, the whole reason we get into a relationship with someone is we want self something out of it for ourselves. I mean, bottom line, that's what it is. So as we think about just the elements of creating a relationship, we've talked about connection. We've talked about trust building. And those are the critical elements in a relationship. Yes, there's communication and yes, there's a lot of other things that go into building relationships, but those are the two basic pillars that relationships are built on. So what do we do with that information? You know, I remember my dad, the psychologist, he's passed on now, but I remember him telling me very clearly multiple times, relationships will be the most difficult thing you deal with in life. And he was right. (laughs) But they're also one of the most rewarding things you'll ever deal with in life. What do you feel when someone you love, love dearly, is near to you? What are the emotions you have? when that person is around you. On the other side, what do you feel? What emotions do you have when someone you really don't like is around you? It is the emotional drivers that either draw us closer to someone or push us away from someone. Emotional drivers, emotional detractors. When I use those terms, what do I mean by that? Well, Emotions are in every part of our life, and especially in relationships. If you just look at the word relationship, the relation connecting or binding participants in a relationship, you can't, you can't define the word without relation being a part of it. You also can't define the word relationship without emotions being a part of it. Relate to understand and like. 
or have sympathy for someone or something. Elate, to fill with joy or pride. I mean, it's just everything you look at related to relationships has that element of emotions involved in it, which is why emotional intelligence is so important when we think about our relationships. And the greater we can grow our emotional intelligence, competencies, and skills, the better relationships we're going to have. Even the words we use when we talk about relationships have emotions embedded in their meaning. And and we just explored how deeply embedded those really are. So how can we put that into practice? To build strong and satisfying relationships, we need to practice some specific EQ skills or emotional intelligence skills. Now, I'm going to use a model that was created by Six Seconds, the largest EQ community in the world. I'm going to use their model because I like it. I use it a lot. It works well, and it's simple. It's easy to understand. Some models are so overwhelming that you can't wrap your brain around it. This is a really well-designed, well-thought-through, well-considered model. So here are these skills that will help us in building relationships. And I'm going to do this in the order that they may happen, just as a thought process here. First is empathy. Genuinely listening to others to understand their perspective, what's driving them emotionally, and what their needs are. That's empathy. Recognizing patterns. Understanding your own patterns and the usual reactions that you have and understanding patterns of other people. The next is navigating emotions. It's repurposing the energy and information from emotions or redirecting that for better outcomes. It's not getting derailed when we're triggered by emotions. It's responding instead of reacting. That's navigate emotions. The next is optimism. Practicing authentic optimism in the relationship. The next is what Six Seconds calls noble goal, what I call a purpose or an overarching purpose that we live our lives by. Uh, It's staying true to who you are and the overarching purpose for your life. Checking to ensure your decisions are in alignment with your overarching purpose, or think of it even as an overarching set of standards that you live by. And the last one is emotional literacy. Being able to identify emotions and the impact they have on you and the impact they have on the other person. Relationships require the use of emotional intelligence skills. Now, how good we are at that will probably determine how good the relationship is. You know what the good news is about that? EQ skills can be measured, they can be learned, and they can be strengthened rapidly. And that's very good news. We can grow in our emotional intelligence skills. Just like we go to the gym to work out 
and, and gain in muscle and gain in good health, we can do the same thing with our emotional intelligence and our emotional health, our emotional environment that we operate in. By the way, just so I share this with you, we choose the emotional environment that we live in. I'm not saying we choose the emotions that we have. Other things and other people will trigger emotions in us. But after about six seconds, those emotions, the intensity of those emotions starts to go away. It's what we choose to hold on to that will define our emotional environment. So think about that when you think what mindset, what emotional environment do I want to live in? Do I want to work in? Do you want better relationships? Then grow your EQ skills. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Building Healthy Organizations by EQ Fit. We do understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior and performance in the workplace. We also love hearing your suggestions and ideas. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at info at gscfit.com. For more information and inspiration, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and of course our website, eqfit.org.